0: This
1: is the Skin Science Podcast. I'm Dr. Thomas Hitchcock, and here we'll investigate everything skin science and dissect it from a scientific perspective, analyze it from a medical perspective, critique it from a consumer perspective, and give insight from an industry perspective. Welcome back to the Skin Science Podcast. I'm Dr. Thomas Hitchcock. And today we'll be discussing the science behind skin remodeling. And with me in the studio is my co-host and friend, Angela Wilson-McDonald. Hello, Hello. Angela.
0: Hello. Pleasure to be here.
1: Yes, it's always a fun time. And always.
0: <laughs> always. Well,
1: today, as I said, we are going to talk about skin remodeling. Um, so, you know, one of the things that uh, I'm going to make sure my microphone is. Are we good, Alan, with the microphones? All right. Okay. All right. We have our uh, our wonderful producer, director in the studio, making sure you guys can hear us. Uh, but, you know, the thing about this kind of topic is, uh, you know, it's just as a um, kind of disclaimer, because we, we do work for a company where uh, we sell a microneedling device, uh, it, it, you know, we do have to make sure that we we don't get into any topics that are going to get us in trouble by going off Correct. label and such. But uh, the way that we're going to approach this uh, conversation is we're really looking at the science of skin remodeling from many angles. We're not just looking at microneedling. We want to look at it as basically, you know, because there's many things, there's many ways to to skin that cat if that's, you know, an appropriate, (laughs) it's it's a pun, but I didn't mean it that way. Talking (laughs) about (laughs) skin remodeling. Yeah. So there's many ways that we can go about this uh, in the uh, aesthetic office. And some of it's for one reason or another. And so some of them are for more aesthetic purposes, some are for more medical purposes. Um, But either way, we are looking to cause a remodeling of the tissue, which is very different than what a lot of people think of when they are advertising Mm -hmm. this. You know, you hear a lot of like, uh, because it originally was called collagen induction therapy, at least microneedling was. Um, and so a lot of people, you see a lot of advertisements like make new fresh collagen, which, as you know, uh, irritates me mm-hmm. because, I know that. <laughs> I because that. when you think about what makes up scar tissue, it's also new fresh collagen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those things where b- we understand that there's a consumer perception, mm-hmm. um, but it's different than what a scientist would necessarily look at. And, it, and I'd love to know what a clinician looks at versus also somebody in the industry, which we are. Um, and so these are the ways I wanted to kind of look at this particular topic. But the way I think that we do this the best is by first kind of defining what yep. is skin remodeling. So I think the way to do that adequately is to make sure we're thorough. And you can definitely stop me if I start getting in a little too thorough. A little too thorough.
0: <laughs> As I always do, Thomas. <laughs> yeah. So
1: that's something I, I can often get a little bit on a rabbit trail when it comes to science. Um, but is by defining skin, looking at skin, the mm-hmm. structures of skin and what happens during the remodeling process, okay. why the remodeling process happens. So when we think about the structures of skin, you know, most people have the, you know, the, the rudimentary type of layers. We've got the, the, the epidermis and the dermis, mm-hmm. um, and of course that's reductive because there are other structures, you know, other layers or other, you know, uh, little kind of nuances to what make up those, but overall it's the epidermis and the dermis. Then you have our secondary structures like the hair follicles, the sebaceous glands. You have, um, you know, nerve tissue, you have, uh, what else we got? Sweat glands. Um, but one of the also biggest constituents of skin that most people don't even think about is the immune system. Mm -hmm. And that's actually one of the most important parts when it comes to skin and how it functions yet we often just completely dismiss it and don't even think of that as a skin And why do you think that
0: is, Thomas? Why do we forget that component?
1: Uh, you know, I don't, I think it's just because, uh, you know, it's the same as kind of what we talk about when we talk about the microbiome and how people, when they think of skin, they think of, they don't think anything of the microbes.
0: Because we focus as an industry we, for so long on the on way the, it affects skin. Yeah. Epidermis and the dermal. So layer.
1: when you look at a lot of ingredients and you yeah. see the evidence of why it's good for us, it's mostly because they'll say, well, it takes keratinocytes and it causes them to produce this and that gene. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, but what about the immune cells that are prevalent in the skin how does it affect that because those things affect the keratinocytes as well and those things affect the microbes which also affect the keratinocytes and so it's a much more complicated story mm-hmm. and i think that's why okay. because it it takes things that are very that, that that people want to be very simple and it starts to, you have to then ask other questions and it makes things a little more complicated that's where we are kind of today which is we understand Oh, we thought something was very simple, now we're learning maybe it's not so simple, and I think that's why people are so interested to hear things like our podcast because it's bringing to light things I, that they may never have thought right. of. Right.
0: Okay, so if you want to take a deeper dive into, you know, understanding the immune cells and <clears throat> what's the relevance of that? Why is that important to us?
1: The relevance of the immune cells in the skin. Uh, is that when we talk about skin remodeling, a lot of that comes, uh, a lot of people think of that happening upon injury, right? Mm-hmm. When we have a wound healing response. Yep. Um, but it's not the only time that the skin remodels. The skin is actually constantly remodeling. Um, now, it doesn't remodel willy nilly, meaning it doesn't remodel um, just for the heck of it, because the uh, l- living organisms tend to not expend energy when they don't need to, right? They tend to only expend energy when they have to. It's part of kind of just the evolution of how biology works. Um, And so you don't tend to see a lot of uh, biological systems where something happens that's superfluous to existence. Um, And so an example, this is in, in, when you're trying to do bacterial cells and you're trying to put genes in bacteria and such, if it doesn't need it, it'll spit it out. You know, we call these plasmids that, Okay, we got too deep there. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> I'm falling so, asleep, Sam. so, so why a bad sign. <laughs> so why the immune system? It's because um, we have turnover all the time because of like going out into the sun and we get some solar radiation that may could cause some free radical damage. It may cause thymine dimers in our, uh, our skin cells. These are all things that cause damage. And so when we're younger, the immune system actually recognizes the damage. Uh, okay. And it clears the damage. And we also have um, an accumulation over time of what's called senescent cells. Now, those you don't have as much when you're younger, but you do have them in some in some manners. Um, and this is this is the reason why we accumulate them as we age is because senescent cells are typically found after uh, a daughter cell, which is differentiated. so we have our stem cells. They make daughter cells. Okay. So we have stem cells that become like fibroblasts or keratinocytes, the skin cells that mm-hmm. we think about. Well, those cells cannot indefinitely live, right? They also cannot divide and indefinitely divide. We have what's called a hay flick limit. Mm-hmm. And you've heard me talk I've about heard this. I've talk about this over the years. Yep. And this is what happens is every time a cell divides, because um, after your stem cells have the ability to extend their genetics to keep them kind of pure in a way, to keep them Uh, safe by extending the ends of the telomeres, when they become differentiated cells like skin cells, it loses that ability. Um, So every time they divide, the genetics gets slightly shorter and eventually gets short enough to where it's just kind of in danger of things like uh, forming cancers and such. Okay. And so um, the way that the body handles that is that once they get to a certain place, they become senescent. And this senescence actually changes its phenotype. And it starts to produce different types of cytokines that are more inflammatory. Okay, And the reason for that is likely that it's asking to be destroyed. <laughs> it's asking for the immune system to come get it because what's inflammation other than...
0: It's a- aging. I mean, it's the skin well, aging, correct? Or it's a response to. It's a
1: response to, to uh, some assault. sort. Yes, yeah, some sort of assault. Okay. That's telling the body, "I need your help. I need, I need your the immune help. cells. Come help. Come get me. Yeah. Come, get Come me. help me. Yep. So <clears throat> it sends out these inflammatory signals, and the immune system comes and clears it. Okay. So that's part of the remodeling process because you know when you have a senescent cell or you get a damaged cell and it tells the body, "Come clear me out," that's part of the remodeling process too. Okay. Also with structural parts of skin like um, collagen, you know, elastin, if that gets damaged, you need to also restructure that. So your body's constantly restructuring. You, you've heard it when you were a kid, how you're supposed to be supposedly a new person, completely remodeled every uh, yeah. seven years. Yeah. I don't remember what the, like that. they yeah. would say. Your cells completely yeah, and I'm turn not over. Sh- and I'm not sure what if what the legitimacy of that given time period is. It probably is different from person to person. But it was
0: interesting nonetheless.
1: <clears throat> but I think like your bones even at a certain point, because you have... Even though we think of bones as like solid objects, they do yes. turn over. Yep. Um, and so even the calcium deposits, you know, we have osteoclasts, osteoblasts, they eat mm-hmm. and rebuild. So with skin, yes, we have injury as well. So like microneedling or an ablate of a procedure or something. That's a different type of remodeling, but it's the same type of caveat. You have inflammation caused by injury that recruits cells to come and fix it. Okay. So that's really, I think, uh, why the immune uh, presence is so important uh, for the process of skin remodeling, that a lot of people don't really give it that much kind of thought when they're getting these pro- these so, uh, procedures. So
0: l- let me see if I got this straight, because that's you know <laughs> my purpose in the podcast, is to break down the science. So what you basically said there, <clears> if I heard you correctly, Thomas, is that the skin is always remodeling. We're going to talk about intentionally remodeling during this podcast things that we actually ways in which we actually assault the skin whether through Assaults. well yeah. to to injure create, the skin, yeah. injure the skin <clears throat> whether through Um, procedures whether Mm -hmm. through products Mm -hmm. you know to actually create an intentional turnover of the skin or intentional remodeling of the skin Mm -hmm. but what you're saying i think is what i heard you say is the skin is that is always naturally remodeling even when we're younger and not intentionally doing something that's right there's a remodeling that occurs and that remodeling is exacerbated by certain conditions like the sun or the environment or health conditions, or what else would you say were the things that were that as we're growing up, we're not intentionally remodeling the skin through procedures or products that we know of in our industry, mm-hmm. but we're just the skin is naturally remodeling. What's causing? What's prompting that remodeling?
1: I mean, when you skin your knee, okay. When you, so when any you, type of injury, when you get a bruise. Yeah, you know, um, there's a lot of things. Any any type of injury. Yeah, the thing again, the body doesn't typically remodel something; it doesn't need to. Now, that being said, <clears throat> when, we're, when we're growing up, we are growing, right? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> a lot of the, m- the processes by which we grow are similar to the remodeling process because we're producing more skin because we're getting bigger. We're producing more connective tissue because we're getting bigger. And so a lot of that stuff is process of deposition of things like extracellular matrix cells, stuff like that. So those processes, you know it is different than wound healing because you don't have the immune system as involved right mm-hmm. but the, the the part of deposition of those things and it's why when we talk about the aesthetic type of procedures, it's important to realize that the mechanism of action by which these procedures actually work mm-hmm. uh, in order for us to get in a result that's relatively natural have to work similar uh, in the wound healing cascade or remodeling process to where we normal production of that tissue works. So that's why like, um, you know, certain burns don't really heal like normal tissue, uh, chemical burns mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. thermal burns. Um, now, of course, if they're microscopic in nature, it's a different story. But typically, there's there's a threshold by which there's a, there's a kind of a fine line between uh, intentionally injuring and getting a, an aesthetically pleasing result and getting something that looks odd mm-hmm. or unnatural mm-hmm. simply because the body does have a certain line. When you cross it, it's not going to lay down the same tissue in the same way it would when it was creating it in the first place.
0: And so you can move from actually treating the skin to traumatizing the skin. And there's right. a fine line you would suggest between the two?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that there is. And you can see that you know, in aesthetics and in medicine, there are procedures that are around even today that while they were being developed, um, they were used a little bit too uh, robustly Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. too much, Mm -hmm. lasers being one of them when they used to completely kind of resurface the skin. And you could tell that upon kind of the remodeling process that the quality of skin was just not Quite natural.
0: You got some type of positive result. Right, obviously. maybe tightening, which there is what most something people wanted. Because yeah. those procedures are very popular, but exactly. yet there was something that was a little unnatural at that point. Yes. Okay. And so
1: that's kind of where, you know, the, again, the fine line, because in, in our industry, in aesthetics, uh, you know, in, in dermatology as a whole, it's really about what is somebody coming to me to address? Um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and knowing what the risk and, and reward ben- mm-hmm. or risk and benefit ratio is uh, with those procedures and what you can walk away with. Um, and so th- there is kind of this kind of give and take when we're talking about skin remodeling. But the other caveat here is that there's a lot when we talk about reductive science mm-hmm. um, is that we cannot um, look at somebody that's in their 70s and say you're going to have the same kind of result as somebody in their 20s. Because the way that our skin remodels, although it's built into our genes as far as, you know, the cells kind of know where to deposit certain things, um, there's also the epigenetic markers. And uh, as we age, we talked about how uh, we start to collect these senescent cells Mm -hmm. because the body cannot remodel. And so we, we, we collect these senescent cells.
0: And that's because the immune cells, essentially, over time, yes. they are tied into that. Okay. So the right. immune cells are helping to clear and clean up. Right. At, but as we grow older, they're less effective in doing so. Is that what I'm hearing? You
1: are. And we don't completely understand why that phenomenon occurs, but we know it's tied to um, a type of immune, cells call, immune cell called a Treg cell. Okay. So Treg cells actually are kind of the police, if you will, of the immune system, especially in the skin, but you know, everywhere. And these Treg cells actually inhibit the immune system from overreacting. So for instance, like psoriasis. Psoriasis is an overreaction where the body's actually attacking our own tissues, uh, any autoimmune kind of type of a disease. Is is because our immune system is actually attacking the wrong thing. It's being overzealous. Okay. And so, um, so when we when we talk about T reg cells, they're the ones that say to the immune system, "Okay, this is good, this is bad. Attack this, don't attack this." Mm-hmm. But when we're older, we tend to also accumulate T reg cells, and so they tend to like accumulate around the follicles and such, and. Interestingly, that is we, what we think leads to this accumulation of senescent cells, because when senescent cells are sending out all these inflammatory signals, the T reg cells are saying it's okay, you know, it, you don't need to come get these cells, and so that's why we. And it's kind of this loop of the more that happens, the more that it just keeps accumulating. So the uh, there's a, a a branch of you know research called senolytic uh, medicine where they're trying to actually produce um, either peptides or, or something, drugs, and they already have drugs that do this, that can actually cause the removal of senescent cells. Because the theory is if you can remove all that inflammation from all those cells that are taking up space and causing inflammation, the body will then kind of get kickstarted to actually reproduce and the cells that should be there which will then lower the inflammation okay. and, and cause. So
0: again, the immune cells were taking care of that when we were younger, but that right. is all slowed down. Mm-hmm. Um, and now things are changing. Thomas, you know, walk us through. When is <clears throat> that age? I mean, when do we get to that point when the immune cells are never are, are no longer working as they did when we were younger, and we have to start being intentional about skin remodeling. We have to right. start taking action, whether that's through products, whether that's through procedures. What have you? We have to start creating those injuries to get the skin remodeling because the body's no longer doing it at the same rate that it used to. Right. Do you have any ideas? I about do, that?
1: and but let me take a, r- a real quick step back to what we were, what I just said because I want to put a little caveat on there before I move on to that, which is, um, you know, we talked about when I said that when you're 20 you can't expect the same results or 70 mm-hmm. you can't, res- and the the reason for that is because you can have like let's say a, since microneelings are, are, are a thing, let's sure. let's use that sure. as our example. So if you get a microneedling, uh treatment at 70, it's still going to have some benefit, right? Because you your body will see that there's holes now in your, in your skin. And it will, and still, it heal. will still heal it. Mm-hmm. The issue is that it may not heal it to the, sa- the same extent as you would when you're okay. younger. And then you ask the question, why? And it's because you have uh, this loss of ability to be as robust in your deposition of things like collagen and elastin as I was referring to with my work in my postdoc. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because you just, you're just senescent. The cells available just don't have the, the uh, ability because they're close to senescence themselves. So in essence, when we take a senolytic drug, and if it works to clear the senescent cells, we are basically re- remodeling then as well. And we are getting kind of the same type of remodeling we do as we are younger, where it's constantly renewing. But if we get that microneedling respo- result at 70... And we don't have that remodeling happening. It's going to really dampen the the overall result. And so we have to be realistic. Now you talked about aging, and, and I do want what's to ask one age? question. Okay.
0: There is, but are all seventy year olds the same?
1: No, but that leads to your question before. Okay, perfect. Um, so basically, when we think about when is that age that right. we start to lose? And you know, I, I've heard some uh, anecdotes. I don't know if that's the right word, but Little uh, blurbs where they say you lose one percent of collagen mm-hmm. every year after thirty, yeah. and I can't find for the life of me where that comes from. Oh, okay, um, so We've I'm assuming that up, huh? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> there you, has marketing. to be somewhere it came <laughs> from. Uh, but you know, it's 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 a, it's one of those cute things that yeah. you know people latch on to, and it's a good way to well, sell it's a them. Simple. It's a but simple. But I don't know if it's true.
0: To, okay. But, Maybe not backed by science. Right. Okay. And,
1: and I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit of truth that somebody took and they just made because it more- Because everybody's
0: different. Every human is different in terms yeah. of health or exposure or- uh, Yeah. But right?
1: Yes, you're, you're completely correct. Because we're all genetically different, right? Mm-hmm. So we are going to have some differences in our genetic predisposition to either having you know healthier skin or- uh, And we're not going to get into acne today, but we, we, we did talk about acne mm-hmm. uh, on our last episode- and there is genetic predisposition to inflammation, which can be corrected by other means epigenetically. But it's the same, I think, with just remodeling. I think there are genetic predispositions, but there's also corrections to that through epigenetics. And so when we talk about when that starts happening, the aging process where we start to collect senescent cells, it probably is around the same time that you know everybody notices their skin, around the 30s, you know, early 40s.
0: Start noticing the the aging process, the changes, the little changes, the fine lines, wrinkles start to appear, a little mm sagginess starts to appear.
1: Now, that being said, um, you did allude to that not every 70-year-old is the same. And the reason why that is true is because we don't all age the same. And uh, we know that, you know, researchers like David Sinclair and uh, uh, Huberman, and uh, not Huberman, David Sinclair, and um, I'm trying to think of the other person I'm thinking of, but I can't. Anyway, these researchers are looking at our genetics and seeing what is it that is causing aging and how might we actually reverse aging, um, if possible. And the answer is it it is possible. And let me give you one major example of how this is possible okay. because they can take a differentiated cell. Remember we talked about that's a cell like a skin cell. Okay. That is no longer a stem cell. It has become differentiated. And typically we thought that's one direction. Once, you're, once you've are once become a differentiated cell like a skin cell, you're, that's what you're going to be until you crap out. Okay. So you're going devi- to make a lot of dollar, do- baby cells that, and then those will crap out eventually. And so you need those stem cells to make additional cells when those... Crap out. Okay, um, but there has been research that shows that you can put differentiated cells into certain conditions in a laboratory and cause them to regress back into stem cell states.
0: Mm. Okay, you
1: know uh, Top, now th-
0: really reversing the aging process at that point.
1: Right, because once you're a stem cell, reversing
0: or slowing or stopping. No, that would reverse. Reversing. Because remember
1: okay. when you when you revert back to a stem cell state. Uh, you know, because we have to think about why if we have um if all of our cells are aging, we couldn't have children because then they would be born a- old if all those okay. cells were old. yeah, so there's a process which our body actually maintains the integrity of the of the cell of the genetics, and so we have to a- then the question is what about our genetics changes in this d- these differentiated cells mm-hmm. that these stem cells don't have this problem? and it has to do with the methylation of the genetics, which happens over a while through metabolism, through insult, or assault as you call it. Um, but it's also the way that it wraps around what we call histones. So there's these little little uh, molecules or proteins that the, the genetics wrap around. Because remember, we have tons of genes that wrapped into a very small space. Okay. And so they have to be very organized in order to um, you know be packed into a nucleus. But the cell has to know where the genes are at any given time, because if you have to upregulate, you have to completely unwrap the gene unzip it and then you know do all your work to get it to turn into a protein. So when you mess with its ability to be organized, that's when we start to have problems and that's where the we think the aging process comes
0: begins. from. it become becomes visible right. if we're talking about rejuvenation or right. the aging the skin aging. Right. That's when it becomes visible. Right. And that's at different ages depending on the genetics of that person. Well, and, and the epigenetics. And what they've experienced.
1: You know. Yeah. So for instance, going out into the sun, you may be a 30-year-old, but you've been sunbathing your whole life. Your skin's going to be older. So there's, you know, of course, we, we talk about ages in years, right? right? So chronological years. But when we look at skin aging or, or cellular aging, we think about it biologically. So based on the lifespan of an individual, where do you feel kind of in that normative scale of, you know, how your cells, the health of your cells... Some people that are in their 40s are have genetics that are probably very young, like early 30s and 20s, mm-hmm. and vice versa, mm-hmm. based mm-hmm. on their epigenetics and genetics, Okay. lifestyle damage, all that stuff. Um, now, interestingly, there are uh, researchers that are looking into ways to uh, demethylate and to turn back uh, the clock, not just by making things back into stem cells, but just by um, upregulating certain genes that act to do that. Okay. And so uh, you've heard of things like resveratrol, mm,
0: of course. Yeah. Um,
1: what do you What do you know about resveratrol? Because um, a lot of people have a very resveratrol
0: is. I mean, I think of it in two forms. I think of it as a supplement that you actually ingest. Mm-hmm. That. Um, supposedly reverse the aging, mm-hmm. and then I think of it as a topical ingredient as well that we've heard over the years has some effect in, in reversing the aging of the...
1: Okay, I thought you were going to say one other thing. Skin. I thought oh, you were going yeah? to say wine, because that's... Ah, <laughs> well, you know. Because wine is... I, I, should, think...
0: I should have said that, well, yeah. Do you remember? But I'm in the industry, so my head goes somewhere of else, course. yeah.
1: But do you remember back, I don't know, a oh. dozen years ago where they, used, they said it two glasses of drink. wine a day...
0: Are we not supposed to still be doing that?
1: <laughs> Actually, Because uh,
0: stu- I upped it to four just in hopes uh, that that would be even... No,
1: okay. a study just came out that kind of basically squished that. Oh, my now goodness. Now they're, they're saying that wine isn't How good for you. How well, disappointing. A glass of wine a day isn't good for you. Okay. Because um, I believe, like, the amount of resveratrol in a glass of wine is negligible. Right. which
0: is why supplements became mm-hmm. prevalent and then yeah. topical ingredients as well. Yeah, and so... So what about resveratrol then? Well,
1: resveratrol is a molecule that has been shown to uh, activate. It's also an antioxidant, right? And so we know there's a lot of great, even in skincare, there's a lot of great antioxidants. Mm -hmm. One being vitamin C, which everybody will pay a a lot of money if they get a good vitamin C. The problem is that vitamin C is a very sensitive molecule. So a lot of people have spent a lot of time and research trying to make it more stable. Um, resveratrol is also an antioxidant. Uh, so putting it in skincare can have an antioxidant effect, but we don't think that has anything to do with why it turns back the clock. We okay. think it's more about, um, I believe again, David Sinclair is the one that really kind of champions, uh, resveratrol, which oh, I don't think I didn't it's, know that. yeah, I don't think it's like, um, as big a thing as, as it's made out to be. Um, but it definitely is one of the things cause he's shown it, you know, no, no questions asked. Really, that it upregulates the sirtuin genes. That that's one of the things he researches. And these genes, and it's not just him that came up with this. There's uh, some labs in Japan uh, that that showed that that you can basically have you know a certain amount of these genes. That if you upregulate or turn these genes on or off, you can basically uh, you know cause backwards aging in oh, a sense. Okay. And so these sirtuin genes are kind of closely related to uh, what this what does these things. What does this anti-aging? Benefit? And he's
0: talking about resveratrol, ingesting it. He's talking about supplements, or is he talking well, topical? Well, yeah. Or both? No,
1: I think he typically. I think he takes it as an as okay. a supplement. He also takes other things, like he's big on uh, NAD, uh, so uh, okay. he, uh, which is a molecule that um, basically fuels the mitochondria, and so by taking that, you're you're supposed to you know be energizing your cells and such. And there's a lot of more technical. <laughs> aspects to why you take that. So
0: there's, in other words, there there are supplements that we could take that could affect our genes. Yes. And over time, our genes have, uh, as we age, um, there are genetic changes that occur and those lead to aging, but yet there's something that we could be doing to change the genetics.
1: Right. Now we have the, the, the ones. Am I
0: simplifying it too much?
1: You're not simplifying. I just want to make sure that we're, we're being, um, clear that you're not changing your actual genes. Okay. You can't really do that right. unless you have gene therapy, um, which was something that I was working on <laughs> at one point. Uh, and it's still happening. Oh, by the way, this is completely unrelated, but amazing. They just uh, did gene therapy in two children that have Tay-Sachs and basically have more or less healed them from that. My stepmother's two children died from that. Mm. So I've been following that for years, amazing. Anyway, that yeah. was a huge rabbit, yes. huge rabbit trail. No. But, um, but yeah, you can't change your genetics. But you can change your epigenetics, and you can change uh, damage. Define to your
0: epigenetics genetics. for so, our so listeners. So epigenetics Thomas.
1: is where uh, basically the things that affect the expression of your genes. Okay, there you have it. So even just cytokines can be epigenetically ch- changing the upregulation down, like retinoids. Retinoids change the uh, expression of genes, which then changes the way that the skin works. So, so you don't change less. your genes;
0: you change the expression of right. the genes. What they, how they react. Uh, yes. Or what they put out. Yes. Okay.
1: Uh, or whether they're upregulated or downregulated, okay. which means if you make more of a gene product or less of a gene product. And that's the, that'll change, you know, for instance, when we produce less oils, it's because we've changed, we've turned off certain genes and turned on certain genes.
0: Okay. So there's something you could potentially do in terms of expressing genes that could upregulate the production of oil again, for that's instance. Right. Okay. Okay.
1: An example of that is we know that C. acnes which is a normal skin commensal that we mm-hmm. lose over time. So as we age, we, we see less C. Acnes on the skin. But C. Acnes actually has been shown, and that's, a, of course, this is simplified because C. Acnes is a species and it's very strain-specific. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to oversimplify. I just want that caveat out there. But strains of C. Acnes, um are able to actually cause the sebaceous glands to produce more oil. Okay. So it's kind of a chicken-egg thing because we age and we lose oil production therefore it's inhospitable to C-acnes, so we lose C-acnes, but if we can put C-acnes back on, it actually might restart that, and where we can actually kind of rejuvenate the skin through a probiotic means, a, okay. a legitimate probiotic. Okay. Um, and so that's, uh, when we talk about whether there's something we can do, part of it is um, through what we were talking about, like there's also people that are using things like metformin, which is a diabetes drug, it mm-hmm. also can crank up things, uh, genes that are associated with de-aging or I I don't know if we want to call it anti-aging or Mm de-aging because the term anti-aging I think has been, is a a little little bit bit overused. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what do you, I mean, what do you think anti-aging means? Mm. Especially in regards to skin remodeling?
0: Anti-aging to me says against aging. So to me, anti-aging is more stopping or slowing the, the aging process.
1: Which is more real what we're Versus
0: de-aging about. makes, yeah. to me, makes it sound like you're actually kind of Turning going back. back in time, yeah. which sounds way more exciting, <laughs> quite honestly.
1: Yeah, and that's the way I see it too. But a lot of people use anti-aging because I see people poo-pooing the word anti-aging.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's been so overused. Yeah, it
1: has. But they, they say there's, there's really no way to anti-age something. But we're not talking about anti-aging in the sense that it is like anti-matter, which is the opposite of aging. We're not talking about it that it's a Benjamin Button type of thing. Right. Um, We're talking about it like you said, which is kind of a slowing of the progression. Right. Or most of the time, um, and you can slap me if this is wrong, but most of the time it's used in the sense of disguising aging. So like Mm -hmm. a lot of hyaluronic acids, they don't really anti-age. They don't really slow aging. They just cause puffiness of the tissue, which mm. hides okay, wrinkles. Okay. Okay. Um, and Fair so, enough. but
0: I don't know if the hyaluronic acid is considered an anti-aging. Well, ingredient. if you watch some you of the suggest? marketing. Okay. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair
1: um, enough. And you know, uh, and and so. I would say I agree, de-aging. I don't know if that's even a word, but maybe we'll make it a word. Yeah,
0: maybe that's our new thing. Yeah. Can we rush off and trademark that real quick? <laughs> but <laughs> so let's, let's, get, yeah, let's get back to- I'd like to, to the, get back to that. Okay, the, the, the person who presents is the first signs of aging. So we'll say 30-ish, and you start to see those first signs of, of aging mm-hmm. outwardly. So you see fine lines, wrinkles, sagging skin. Mm-hmm. And suddenly we've got a sign, if I'm hearing you correctly, that the immune cells- have, have started to slow down its process of being able to remodel. Mm-hmm. And now we need to get intentional about what we're doing right. um, to help that process. And that's, you know, so now we're gonna talk about skin remodeling in, in the respect of things that you could put on the skin that would help with that process or procedures that you could do to exacerbate that, to, to kick off that process again.
1: Right, and I think one of the things people completely dismiss, not everybody, but I think especially consumers, and you tell me if I'm wrong off okay. based on this, but I think they go into a physician's office and they think I'm going to pay, you know, what, 500 bucks for a laser treatment or a microneedling treatment and I better get my money's worth. Mm. What they don't understand is that there is no magic wand and that part of the way that remodeling works yeah. is by actually creating an environment on your skin that is conducive to that happening and in your body too, not just on your body, but in your body. So if somebody goes, somebody's a smoker, doesn't exercise, is overweight, um, you know, has a horrible lifestyle, you know, has malnutrition, and they get a microneedling treatment, they really shouldn't expect all that great of a response. Right. There's more to
0: it than just, yeah, yeah. stepping in and getting the the result, which goes back to that 70-year-old patient as well. It depends on the health of that patient and and what they've experienced and what their skin has been through. And their biological age versus their chronological age. Right, right.
1: And so the the, the marvelous thing about where we are in medicine right now is that we're starting to understand that there are some truly de-aging type of things we can do that can start helping us to at least hold on to the integrity of what we have if Mm -hmm. we truly keep at it. Just like exercise, you got to keep at it if you're going to keep, you know, the physique that you that you want and have. Because, like we said, the body doesn't tend to hold on to things that they don't need. That's why a bodybuilder does not stay that size if he leaves the gym. Right. His body will change, um, and likewise, your skin will change if you change the way that you care for it. Sometimes for the worse, sometimes for the better, and um, you know, it's one of those things where. We also have to ask ourselves in remodeling as well, you know, some of the the the, the molecules that we use and that we kind of lean on for this anti-aging, are we really having a uh, chronic, are we looking at the acute effect mm-hmm. and not, and ignoring the chronic effect? And...
0: Okay. So what do you mean by that? So... Give us an example.
1: I'm trying to think of like an exercise example, but... Um,
0: are you th- talking about more acute stress? Or are you talking about more acute inflammation? You know both. Okay.
1: So in when we exercise, another gym analogy. Okay. Uh, when we exercise, it's often said that you shouldn't overtrain. So that's another thing with bodybuilders: right. is if you overtrain, you don't give your body enough time to recover. You cannot gain the benefit because part of why you get more muscles because you actually cause acute injury to your body. And you your allow muscles. the body
0: time to heal the it's muscle remodeling. expands. Yeah. And then you come back and hit it again. Exactly. And yeah. that's
1: what happens when you're doing these uh, procedures to get skin remodeling and, and yeah we're not it's not muscle but it's skin and it's the same type of effect. It's an acute injury. And then the body's going to uh, um, see that injury and it's going to respond as an in- an acute injury, which is different than a chronic injury. So when we think of inflammation, for instance, when we uh, assault, as you said, the body, um, the skin with microneedling or laser or whatnot, um, you have an acute inflammation because inflammation is any the body calls it's the out. the first
0: phase of the wound healing That's process. Right. So any of these procedures are triggering the body's natural wound healing cascade, That's right. which always begins with inflammation, correct? That's right? Right. That's right. And it's just a matter of whether that inflammation is prolonged or acute. Right. essentially, as mm-hmm. to as to what transpires from that moment.
1: Right. I mean, you could you could get really kind of philosophically granular about that we're always inflamed in a sense if we're always remodeling because we're always calling for the immune cells to clean things up. It's just the amount of inflammation. Mm-hmm. It's the extent of inflammation. Okay. Now, um, you know, of course, that's all debatable, and, and, you know, we could talk all day on that. But what the problem is is that a, a, um, chronic inflammation, especially, which is in the realm of skin remodeling, what we're talking about here we know that chronic inflammation is highly associated with cancer. Mm-hmm. And part of what we think why that is, is because um, those T reg cells that we talked about before, actually when it's chronically inflamed, gets to a point where it starts to say, okay, this is always happening, so maybe we just need to chill out in a sense. But then what happens is then now the immune cells are not there to, mo- to monitor for the cancer cells when they form. And we're always forming cancer cells. Mm-hmm. And so, when we can't monitor that, it's it's not a good thing, and that's why we think uh, inflammation is tied to some of the carcinogenesis or cancer,
0: right? And aging right. as well. Mm-hmm.
1: So, chronically being And inflamed, other disorders
0: as well, right? Because I'm going back to, you know, where I started in the medical industry, which was in pharmaceuticals, mm-hmm. and you know, I was working in the cardiovascular market, and that was back in the you know the '90s when it was there was a lot of talk about inflammation as it relates to and um, heart disease and heart failure. Yep. And it was going back to, there was a lot of talk about C-reactive protein and measuring the inflammation that was in the, in the body. So it seems like inflammation continues to become a bigger story overall in the health of people and now in, in aging as well, that chronic inflammation that you're talking about.
1: Yes, but from the aspect of um, acute versus chronic, mm-hmm. yes, you're right. But we do need the acute version. Like inflammation in an acute sense is very important to the way that we stay healthy. Because um, we need to be able to react. Our immune system needs to be able to react. Um, it's that balance, though, right? And so that's the problem is as we get older, we're not able to have that balance. And, and really what we're trying to figure out is how do we maintain that balance? How do we keep that balance so that we can stay younger? Because we, we do know that it's possible in animal models to to turn uh, mice and, and such younger based on upregulation and downregulation, demethylation of the genetics and all these things we talked about. The, the real thing is, how do we do that safely? Um, because we don't want to turn off the immune system. We don't want to turn off inflammation because that leads to things like cancer. Um, and so, uh, if we can't, so monitor, there's a balance. There's a balance. There's right? a balance. Like an, so, an the acute you know, is fine. It's yeah. not. It's
0: the prolonged that can start causing issues. Which is interesting because you know, coming from the the, the microneedling perspective, um, one of the things I think that You know, you've helped us see over the years, which I find really exciting, is the fact that the inflammation phase is acute as Mm -hmm. long as um, certain procedures and so forth are followed, Um, and the opportunity that that brings in terms of the way. Let's get back to that remodeling story. The way the, the the remodeling unfolds when inflammation's acute versus prolonged mm-hmm. so what's actually you know talk to us about that Dr. Hitchcock what you know what does that look like in the remodeling of skin whether you do it with microneedling or you do it with other means in terms of an acute phase of inflammation that starts that process which we know needs to happen versus prolonged what's going to be the end result of of those procedures when inflammation is prolonged versus not <laughs> Is that well, a bro- it's, too, really it's, broad in It is broad,
1: but I'll tell you, if it's prolonged, you're, the main results, n- people aren't going to come back for another procedure. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, well,
0: from a patient satisfaction standpoint.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of procedures where you should have a lot of downtime. Um, I mean, yeah, like surgery, you're going to have some downtime. So if you have like a facelift or something, and that's understandable. Um, but I, I think that most people would agree that there's really very few times where somebody's going to say we really want you to be inflamed for a really long well, time. Well, but there's
0: two different things, right? <clears throat> there's the symptom of the procedure, where there's the outward inflammation, right. but there's also inflammation that occurs in the body as well, mm-hmm. right? As a result of some of these <clears throat> procedures, more some more the some uh, some more than others, correct? Oh um, uh, yeah. It's, it's essentially following a different pathway in the body. Um, prolonged inflammation is leading to a, an inflammatory pathway. That has an effect on the end result, correct?
1: It does, but it's not just prolonged inflammation. Like, I, 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 like for instance, if we're talking about whether a procedure looks more natural, like the end result looks more natural versus fibrotic and you get more scar tissue, that has more to do with the environment that the, the okay, cells are in. talk to in. us about that then. So, you know, when we think about like a really good surgeon that can do an incision, and uh, suture it up, and then you know after a while you look at the incision, which I believe you had some really you, you've had that experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know my cousin who also has uh, some uh, some scars from previous traumas uh, has very very fine in, uh, incisions where it's almost very hard to even mm-hmm. see if you look at it. Those are great surgeons, and and the scars are there you can still see them. But the reason why they're you know you also have people that get hypertrophic scars. You have some very bad scars that can be. Uh, seen when we have bad surgeons Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Uh, when something is sewn up incorrectly or was infected during you know when it's healing and a lot of that is because uh, it's really the way in which the environment is uh, the the cells in the skin uh, the environment they're in during the healing process how when it kicks off as well as the remodeling process if the environment is overall maintained you tend to see a lot better healing so that's why if you really match up the skin when you when you Close the skin. Uh, nothing, there's no real, you know, a way for uh, aberrant m- microbes to get in. The environment is relatively maintained.
0: Okay. So better from <clears throat> outward appearance or better if we were to look inside the skin, the the healing was better. Maybe both. The collagen was different. The elastin was different, whatever it might be. It
1: would be both. But I mean, even a good scar has a very similar okay. makeup to a bad scar. It's just Larger or smaller. Okay. Um, now that being said, uh, things like microneedling are differentiated from things like um, uh, fractional laser simply because you have two different kind of MOs. They're both fractional, right? They're both uh, acute injuries that are surrounded by a very small injury that's surrounded by healthy tissue, which is great because the whole idea is that if you have a micro injury that's surrounded by healthy tissue, you can basically remodel that quickly with very little sc- fibrosis. Okay. The problem is that when you have microneedling, well, the, I guess with microneedling it's not a problem, but when you put a needle into the skin and then you pull it out, you're not removing any tissue. Right. You're just basically puncturing the tissue, similar it's to like if you're causing
0: the injury to trigger right that cascade, triggered the inflammation that kicks off a, a cascade of events. Right. Exactly. And so, but the you're skin. not
1: changing the overall environment. Right. That's all the same for the most part. Now you'll get some swelling, some redness, because that's all the hallmarks Symptoms of inflammation. Of the procedure. Right. And it's what we want because you have caused a hole in the skin. Right. You do want the body to come and fix those holes. And the idea is that if you create enough of these holes, but that you don't cross the line into causing a macro injury, mm-hmm. that you can actually coax the body to remodeling enough of the tissue to give you an overall kind of restructure, better texture, you know, remodeling of scar tissue, all that. Um, with laser which is very successful they're probably hand in hand as far as the success rate of things like getting rid of acne scars and remodeling skin the problem is though with lasers you're actually you know either ablating or sub-ablating the tissue and removing uh, a certain amount or at least killing a certain amount of coagulating a certain amount of tissue and although it's very very small and it's going to remodel quickly and well um, the problem is that it's not going to remodel the same because you've changed the environment. Mm-hmm. You now have a necrotic, you know, piece of tissue. Or I wish not call it necrotic, but it's, it's a dead piece of tissue that has to be cleared out. So you're not going to have the overall health of the surrounding cells because they're dead. And then, the, you know, have a periphery, which is probably going to die later because it's been insulted by thermal injury. That's not all to say that it's a bad thing to have done. It's just to say it's a different type of injury. Right. And so it's more likely that you're going to get a fibrotic type of response with a, a thermal injury than you would with a mechanical injury depending on the size and the number of right and and pr- proximity of each micro injury. So that's why with um lasers when we see remodeling with lasers or remodeling with microneedling we actually can see that uh lasers and needling basically can have a very similar outcome as far as uh, outward appearance uh, outward appearance results. But you do see that there's a higher instance of things like hyperpigmentation after laser because the modality actually is taking a very different way of causing the remodeling, which can have some side effects.
0: And it's called post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation because mm. there's more inflammation present, correct?
1: Well, it's just a type of inflammation. Okay. Or it's a type of injury. It's not necessarily... Because you remember when we do a mechanic... Prolonged
0: inflammation?
1: I wouldn't even say prolonged okay. necessarily. I would say... It, it's it's just a different. So when we injure the skin mechanically, different genes are expressed as a, resp- a distress call versus a, a thermal injury. So there's different types of genes that would actually be expressed in order to react to those injuries. And so heat shock proteins are one of them, which if you look at the, the surrounding um, tissue of a, a lesion from a, a laser injury, those are gonna end up dying because they're actually, they've been injured. They're not dead yet, but they've been injured to the point where they're no longer gonna be viable. And apoptotic cells actually are inflammatory in themselves. So in a way, I guess you are prolonging inflammation Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. you have that first wave and you would have the second wave. Um, Now that's where it's debatable here. You can get great results with laser, but over time you can accumulate sometimes some fibrotic waxiness in in the texture of the skin, uh, which can dampen the ability to soak things in the skin, uh, like great skincare and serums and such. Um, but some people like that because it actually is more tightening mm-hmm, than a mm-hmm, uh, microneedling mm-hmm. treatment, really.
0: and that's a result of the fibrotic tissue that's created during those particular <clears throat> procedures. Because there's a there's a, a an area that has to close up, which causes contraction, fibrotic tissue, and and causes contraction. Right,
1: ultimately. but and there are some lasers that are fractional that um, are very shallow that wouldn't do that, but they also wouldn't remodel the skin necessarily completely. Right. They would just kind of resurface or not resurface, but like. Um, Exfoliate, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's there's there's a there's a range of different ways that you can approach uh, trying to remodel the different parts of the skin, um, and they're all going to have their their pluses and minuses. But the whole the overall thing that is really the the cork, or not the cork, but the the thing that actually stops from actually getting the best result is age, is the inability to to follow your full genetic potential, and that's why. When we look at uh, doing these uh, remodeling procedures, we should really also consider the way that we're treating the skin and changing that as well. Okay. So if you send somebody home, even if it's your favorite skincare, that may not be suitable, right? You, you have to look at uh, you have to look at basically how. The skin should be what uh, environment. The skin should have in order to
0: as it's remodeling, As yeah, it's to actually de-age. remodeling. And how long? Let's say Which is our after word. We've, we patented that, I know, by the way, we've already trademarked it. The attorneys are on the phone right now. Um, the how Watch long? Let's just me. say there's a, uh, a patient <clears throat> goes into a medical aesthetic practice and they have a procedure, you know, whether it's microneedling or, or laser or what have you. And there's a the triggers the body's natural wound healing cascade and remodeling sets forth. How long is that remodeling occurring post procedure?
1: Well, a long time.
0: Like how long, typically?
1: (laughs) Uh, So a lot of people want an instant result, and some some of the remodeling happens quickly. So the epidermis tends to be like on a month cycle, so it will turn over relatively quickly. It'll also like thicken and then go back to normal, Um, but the dermis tends to take a good. Three to six months before okay. you're going to actually see a true remodeling, um, so don't go into any of those procedures expecting a quick result. Well, we're, we're almost out of time, so uh, you,
0: not necessarily because you know there is the um, collagen three that's that's present first, right? That asks, sure. acts as scaffolding of the skin, helps to support the skin it's like a as band-aid. it remodels. Yeah. But can somebody potentially see uh, results from collagen three temporarily being present before the The end result, the collagen one, it actually replaces collagen three? Uh,
1: Possibly. Because we hear it. You know, even
0: with microneedling, you hear patients feel that they can see and feel changes in their skin relatively quickly, even though we know scientifically the real changes are going to occur in that three to six month period afterwards.
1: Right. And so I guess the the end, kind of the the final kind of note there is, yes, of course, if somebody feels that their skin looks better, that's really the goal. Right. That's really the goal. And so, for remodeling, for me as a scientist, I'm more interested in whether skin is, you know, holistically uh, becoming better. It's
0: changed. It's changing. Right.
1: Um, wh- and what's driving that versus uh, just simply looking better? L- looking better is great. Don't get me wrong. But I also want to know that I'm healthier. Right. That I'm younger. You know, than I was before. And, and of course, the that de- real changes occur. The real changes occur. But occurring. the
0: average person is just let me just feel like right. something changed here or see a difference in my skin right. or have someone notice a difference in right. my skin. And
1: that's what we're, we're going to talk next time about in the next uh, podcast. We're going to talk about kind of the longevity of the skin, the aging of the skin and how mm-hmm. uh, implications of things that we do that may look make, make us look better now, but may not be the best for our skin long term, which can actually age us or accelerate aging and such. So let's put a pin in that because we're out of time. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Where can they find you on uh, social media?
0: Social media on Instagram, Angela W. McDonald, and at the Crown Aesthetics Headquarter, Monday through Friday. And sometimes Longer Saturday and Sunday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. And here from Media World Studios in Dallas, Texas, this is the Skin Science Podcast, and I'm Dr. Thomas Hitchcock. Thank you for your eyes and ears. We hope you gleaned something from this conversation. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover, please message me on Insta at dr.t.hitchcock. That's dr.t.hitchcock. And from all of us at Crown Laboratories, remember that skin science is for life. Goodbye for now.
0: Goodbye, everyone.